This episode is supported by NC Idea. More on them later. I take pride in being a visionary. And I know you said we're not going all the way back to your whole life. I am a little bit of a historian. What are sort of the untold stories, right, of some of these different um, projects? You've never said that you had a history in building anything. No, never. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Welcome to High End Hustle. I am your host, Angela Hollowell. And today I'm speaking with Nish Evans who is the founder of Lennox & Gray. By the end of this episode, you will learn how a real estate investor with no general contracting experience is shaping Durham's skyline. Thanks so much for joining us today. This podcast is free and will always be free and available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, HeyTag, you name it. While it's free for you to consume, it's not free for us to create. We pay our video editors, writers, production assistant, and operations manager for helping us make this show come to life. If you'd like to support us in making this show, please consider subscribing to our Substack community, using our affiliate links, or just simply sharing the show with someone who might enjoy it. All right, let's get into this conversation. So I kind of want to go back to the beginning a little bit, not the beginning of like your life, but like the beginning of this story for me and probably people watching and listening to this. Um, You have two different companies, one that's real estate investing, one that's general contracting. Why did you make the distinction between those two companies when they're kind of in the same industry? Well the main thing it comes down to is liability. So there are certain projects that you may work on um, and one is more heavily you know, weighted on the real estate side. Um, but it was also important to me from the start that um, in having these two different companies is that they would always be able to service the same project, but they never had to, to do that. And so mm-hmm. operating them independently was one, more of a strategic opportunity. But then secondly, like I said, it was always sort of creating, you know, different opportunities to, to um, different pipelines, I probably should say, of revenue for one particular project. Um, but my vision from the start was, hey, I want to buy it and build it. And my transition was actually out of banking. Um, my last role was in venture capital. And it just, for me, um, was an eye-opening experience that, wow, there are folks, you know, who are out here investing in other people's, you know, companies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, right, is based on relationships, you know, obviously it's yeah. the, the strength of the ideal as well. Um, but the fact that people were like putting their personal assets, you know, mm-hmm. and, and were willing to, um, you know, back a lot of these deals that to me, it was like, wow, that's, you know, another level to me of, of bravery that, um, you're willing to be able to get someone to, to do this in terms of buying into your, your concept, but your vision, right, of, of whatever it is that you're, you're trying to manifest. And so I was like, wow, why am I not doing this for myself? So I've always been um, entrepreneurial. I've always known that I wanted to have my own business. Um, I think just that process um, has, has been, you know, an interesting journey in terms of how I've gotten here. And so, um, like I said, being curious, looking for that next opportunity, leaving banking, um, I was always always just interested to figure out like, hey, real estate, what is that all about? Mm-hmm. And from there, it just sort of morphed into, I want to learn how to you know, purchase property. Um, of course, you have your different worlds of residential versus mm-hmm. commercial real estate. And so I was like, hey, commercial seems like it might be a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more fun. You know, I know those are, are tend to be right, some bigger deals, but I was just, like I said, curiosity has literally been the driving factor of my success, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just the, the interest that I have in, in different areas within these two industries. And so 
um, yeah, just for me, that has been the been the biggest thing. So um, with that being stated, I said, hey, I want to learn how to buy it and build it. And okay. that's really just always been the vision behind, you know, what I do. And so now having some different conversations around, you know, strategic planning and mm-hmm. where do we where do we see ourselves? And so now I'm more passionate or you can say focused on having conversations about longevity and what mm-hmm. does that look like? Um, you know, all of the different elements post COVID that have impacted both of our industries and just trying to figure out it's not just oh how do you your business survive but it's about thriving you know Mm -hmm. and and like I said the longevity piece so um, we are now going to start focusing um, being more strategic as far as intentional real estate um, transactions but then also on the construction side um, you know we're we're currently navigating what does it look like to do specific trades and or uh, projects and on the commercial side so very laser focused right now very very intense planning but um, this is what I know is going to be needed in order for us to scale and, and be able to hit the next level of success. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about that transition out of venture capital and into raising funds for real estate investing, right? Because I believe your first round caught a lot of wind because it was raising real estate for a building here in downtown Durham, mm-hmm. right? Correct. So talk to me about that fundraising round. Yeah, so um, it was a very aggressive goal, um, <laughs> I, t- to say the least. Um, you know, I I really am excited. There was uh, one, I should probably say, some intentionality. So the women mm-hmm. who own the building, which is 112 West Main Street, mm-hmm. um, Empress Development, they actually purchased the building and renovated it in 2016. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. 2019 it's on the market and um yeah they had some offers and and pretty much at that time I had started you know just sharing with my network that I was interested in my transition in terms of of real estate development and um had someone connected us and basically they said oh that's great you know we wish you the best it was kind of one of those like pat on the back like we wish you the best you know and <laughs> and all that you do but like we have some offers and you know mm-hmm. we're we're ready to sell and so um you know i tell people this but i was like the resilient part you know it, i think sometimes people underestimate that and mm-hmm. so um i literally you know bugged them for like two <laughs> days straight and i was like you never said no you yeah. know and so i i pretty much just told them i was confident that i could figured this out, I could raise the capital, and um, I haven't shared this side of the story, but they said, okay, well, you have to match you know, the best offer that we have on the table, mm-hmm. and that was two and a half million dollars, and you had to close within 90 days. And so this is, you have to also remember in you know, 2018 that this is a height of a lot of excitement you know, mm-hmm. in Durham, and not to say people haven't stopped getting, you know, being excited about Durham, but just a lot of real estate you know, transactions that were happening mm-hmm. at that time. And so, um, you know, the, the ladies were like, okay, we're going to take a chance, you know, on you and, you know, here you go. And so we, we inked the deal. And from there it was, um, I will tell people it has, it has been, I think one of the most intense, um, times, you know, of my life and intensity, I think in so many different ways, right? Like, yes, a definitely another level of stress, right. In terms of like figuring it out. But I think also it's one where, Um, sometimes those shorter term deals, I think they really help you stay focused. Right. Mm -hmm. But also it's a, I I tell people this, it's like literally like a bat, 
like mm. batting, right? Like it's just, you have to keep swinging yeah. and you keep getting better, right? With each swing, or at least I hope for most people <laughs> that they get better with each swing, but it's just learning the process of, okay, here's someone who would be interested in this type of deal. And it just came through conversation. So yeah. taking a step back, yes, I had no one in my personal network, you know, who was, who had even done anything of, of this sort. And really the people that I tried to pitch it to in terms of, you know, sort of our friends and family round, it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really get what you're trying to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love this. I've never shared, but my mom was like, I love you, but like, I'm getting ready for retirement. So she was like, I can't, you know, she couldn't yeah. help. And now, right, looking back, I say I'm so glad that they didn't because it, it offers an opportunity, right, for you to get, um, to get creative, you mm -hmm. know, in, in terms of how you do it. And so, um, moving, you know, moving, moving into this space, it was just like, okay, I never stopped to say, oh, you know, it had to be a certain type of person, right? In mm -hmm. terms of being an investor, it was really just who would take a chance, you know, on me. I don't think you can really be picky at, you know, at this particular <laughs> phase of, of the project. So, um, or of, excuse me, of the deal. So, um, really I just started asking around, you know, and it was just anybody I could think of, like, have you purchased real estate, you know? And then from there, it literally started to be, um, an opportunity where folks were saying, you know what, I can't do something like this, but let me connect you with someone yeah. else. And that's when I knew like, okay, Nish, you're getting better, you mm -hmm. know, at the pitch, you know? And so from there you start getting into just more high net worth environments and other individuals. And then you're starting to, and I think this is the other part of it. You're learning right as you go. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people that can be a little scary, but I think for most entrepreneurs, it's like, okay, no, this is fine. I, okay, I'm yeah. clean this up, you know, dress it up a little bit different and then, then be able to go out. So very fast paced deal, but literally that was the key to success. It was just constantly getting in front of people. And there was not a day that I wasn't, you know, basically pitching, you know, yeah. pitching a deal in order to be able to get, um, investment partners, um, fast forward in that deal. I ended up working with uh, self-help and they mm. were able to help me in terms of, of a great opportunity. I think a lot of folks um, looking back, right, would, would definitely agree with me on this, but it offered me the opportunity to actually be the sole owner of the deal. And they mm. were just, um, and I appreciate this. They just kind of share it with me. Like we see your drive. We know that you want this. You've done your homework, you know, and you were prepared. And I think that that spoke volumes in terms of them getting comfortable, you know, with this. Mm -hmm. I think also just in general, my background, you know, in banking, finance and operations, it yeah. added value obviously to, to what it is that I was doing. Mm -hmm. But um, I just remember finally getting this thing closed and all I said to myself was, I just want to get better at this, right? Mm -hmm. And so from there, it led to um, 310 East Main Street. Um, I have another project, 216 Rigsby, which is also in downtown okay. Durham. Um, and that one is slated for an 11-story high-rise. Right now, we've been looking at some opportunities in Rocky Mount. Mm -hmm. um, so I have some land there, but I also have a 50,000-square-foot warehouse. And so there, there are a lot of opportunities. But like I said, for me, um, this year, we're pulling back, haven't sourced any new deals, and really the goal, like I said, is to one, make sure we get our projects across the finish line. You know, we're, we're dealing with some really, really challenging, you know, economic conditions right now, mm -hmm. as far as interest rates are concerned, um, you know, banks, as far as how much collateral and, and other um, elements of a guarantee that they're going to require. So it's, it's a really challenging market, you know, right now on top of supply chain challenges, you know, in the construction industry. So right. um, like 
like I said, for real estate, we're really just focusing on making sure that we're pulling off, you know, stronger, stronger projects. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that story brings up a lot of questions for yeah. me, yeah, which yeah, I'm yeah. excited to dive into because, you know, the first thing I'm hearing is like you're going to your friends and family round, which is often what people do when they first start anything, start investing, start fundraising, start a business, start anything. And a lot of times people don't realize that like your friends and family often aren't like your target audience, mm -hmm. right? They want to support you in any way they can, yeah. and they will do that if it's within reason, if they have the capacity. But you know, as you grow and as you scale and as you think about long term, what do you want this to look like? They're often not the people that you know you're directly including in your vision for like, yeah, I want you know my brother and my mom yeah. to invest yeah. in this like yeah. high end service or high end item or high end whatever that I'm creating or building. Um, so talk to me a little bit now about like when you're thinking about strategic planning, what that looks like and what that means for you because it's not like you haven't done big projects, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think so speaking to that only because we were talking about friends and family but thinking about partners, right? So just being very thoughtful about who are investors, um, you know, that will offer that space for you to be able to figure it out still. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes there's that pressure, right, of like, I have to know it, this deal has to be like, you know, buttoned up. And the reality is, is that there are some times where it's like, I need a little flexibility because that's just the nature, you know, of the business. So right. um, I'm more thoughtful, right, in terms of, of just investment partners in my deals. Um, I tend to not have a lot of partners. Um, okay. I know that that's been one of the, the things that, that, like I said, I haven't been as open about with, with other folks. Because the market moves so fast, right, it's just, it's one of those things where you have to have sort of a smaller pool of people who can be able to move, you know, a mm -hmm. lot faster, um, but also people who have been seasoned, you know, real estate investors as well because then there's a little less <laughs> that yeah. you have to explain about, yeah. you know, taking this type of risk. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, can, they understand those, those elements of it. And so really they're being thoughtful just as much as you are about what type of project are you trying to pull off, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'm super excited about my 310 East Main Street project. I'm excited about all of them, but I'm excited about this one because this was the first redevelopment project for us. Okay. Um, and so just for you know some of, some of the folks in your audience, um, in terms of redevelopment, I'm taking an existing building, I fully gut that building, mm -hmm. and then I'm basically creating a brand new you know layout. Mm -hmm. um, some people are fortunate that they have tenants you know prior to them starting that it makes it easier. Um, and mine was actually a mixture of that. So mm -hmm. part of it was working of mouth where I did I was able to get um, some great local businesses that wanted to be a part of the project um, but then you still have to sort of carve out what we call a warm shell or something that could be move-in ready um, for a future you know business so um, 310 East Main is a historic uh, renovation project it is a little over 13,500 square feet and it consists of um, three floors and so um, I think what I share with a lot of folks is that you fall in love with sort of the exterior of the building because it has these beautiful, beautiful uh, windows. Um, it has a lot of the original plaster, you know, limestone mm -hmm. um, facade. And I think for me, it was just a great opportunity in terms of being able to maximize um, the entire project because the basement had 12 foot um, ceiling height. Mm -hmm. And so with all that being stated, 
fast forward today, after completing construction, the building is fully occupied and it's for women-owned businesses um, mm-hmm. that occupy the building. And so that, you know, evolution of that, it definitely took some some terms, but it was just to say, wow, to have, you know, the Daniel Company, Gloria Shealy, who has been in general contracting, commercial mm-hmm. general contracting for over 30 years, mm-hmm. um, you know, to say, hey, I want to be intentional and to be able to support your business. So she has just under 4,000 square feet of office space there. Um, you know, someone like Susan Failer, who's a seasoned um, business owner and is starting actually her second massage therapy practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's there, Bull City, Bull City Massage and Wellness. Uh, my firm will be there as well. Um, and then our fourth um, has really been um, sort of our, our poster child, you kind of can say, because um, Cicely Mitchell, um, who was behind the Art of Cool Festival, um, her and her partner, Russell Dudley, um, had, they're coming out with um, music you know, venue, high-end music venue. And so it's going to be just an amazing amazing um, experience, I think, in terms of bringing that back, you know, to Durham. So everyone's super, you know, super excited about um, about her return. So, yeah, those are the four tenants. But once again, that story. Right. And then, um, you know, as far as representation, because we've been talking about that, you know, three out of four are are black owned, you know, businesses. But we're all seasoned, you know, entrepreneurs in our own right. And so I think this is just going to be a great opportunity to showcase like local Durham talent, you know, and people who are able to be a part of um, the downtown, you know, market like that's that's been one of the other you know conversations about having more of our businesses you know here and um to speak to that as well that's been the case for actually all my Durham projects so Mm -hmm. even going back to the 112 west main um luna you know um, empanadas is is local you know and they've started off as a you know a startup back in i think it was 2016 when they moved in and you know here we are we just renewed our lease you know together and so they're nice. they're going into their next term and then um, on the opposite side of the building facing Parish Street, um, my newest tenant is actually the Durham Vintage Collective. Mm. And that's brought some good excitement, you know, as yeah. far as the retail space yeah. downtown. Um, but those are four women who yeah. came together, you know, and they all specialize in different eras of uh, vintage clothing, jewelry, uh, furniture, knickknacks, all yeah. those, those different things. And um, I think it's just a, a great concept. So I'm now focusing um, as we're you know, sort of transition in the conversation. But when I'm saying intentional real estate placement, it's about one, our local businesses. But I think also we have to be realistic about how do we create that space, but we also meet sort of the economic expectations, mm-hmm. right? Because you do have partners, you do have lenders, you know, right. that are involved in these transactions. And so I, I have found that one, the sharing of space has made it more economical for, for folks to have mm-hmm. a presence, right? And, and obviously be able to afford it. Um, but it also has helped, like I said, in terms of being able to meet that economic expectation, you know, with, with the folks that, that you have to answer to. Yeah. So um, that's that's been been for me one of the ways that I've been able to slow down and to really think about this because you have Durham saying we want these things and yeah. I hear what you're saying but at the same time you also have such a drastic change in terms of of the landscape you know yeah. of Durham and so when folks are like hey I want to be on Main Street and you're like wait what forty dollars mm-hmm. a square foot like that yeah. that's yeah. you know I can't can't do it yeah, right but the reality is it's going to continue to go up yeah. and that's where I would say with people like we have to get creative in terms of how we you know how we figure this thing out but it's not going down yeah like 
Yeah. It's not going down. This conversation is getting good. And trust me, it's only going to get better. But before we go on, I wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor, NCIDEA. NCIDEA is an independent, private foundation whose vision is to help North Carolinians achieve their entrepreneurial ambition to start and grow high potential companies. They have grants, workshops, and an annual summit, all to help advance entrepreneurship and promote equitable economic development. To learn more and apply for grant funding, visit their website at the link in the description or head to ncidea.org. All right, let's get back into this conversation. For people who are not not familiar with Durham, not living in Durham, so we are currently in American Underground, which is 201 West Main Street, right? So if we're going, um, I guess, closer to Fayetteville, that's where yep. 310, yep. 310 West Main Street is. Um, and that's also kind of close to a lot of like Durham Public Services. Correct. So very interesting location there. And then Luna is like a block away, um, which is like Argentinian, mm -hmm. like South American cuisine. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like mind blown a little bit right now. Um, but uh, super excited about what's coming. And also, like, when we talk about location here, so West Main Street is also adjacent to Paris Street, mm -hmm. which is uh, the historical Black Wall Street, right? So, when we talk about intentionality of like where she's buying property and like, um, creating spaces for women-owned entrepreneur, women-owned businesses, women entrepreneurs, um, but also like Black women, like that is also very like intentional and really important as we think about how a city can change over time. Because like with the influx of Google and Apple and all these other businesses, the landscape in Durham is may or may not always recognize its history right. and where it comes from in terms of its legacy of entrepreneurship. And you know, I was thinking like how much does the legacy of like black entrepreneurship play into your success and your desire to you know build and redevelop and invest in this area yeah. and if it wasn't a part of the legacy of this cities or of rocky mount as well would you want to like yeah so i think that's a, a great question and um you know to be honest i really from the start was just how do you get going, right? Okay. So I, I I really didn't have the capacity to really think about it from that yeah. lens, right? Yeah. I just knew like one, it was always like, hey, I just I'm trying to figure out figure this thing out. I'm trying to pull it off, mm -hmm. but it was never like, oh, what is the bigger you know picture here in terms of you know what you're yeah. what you're asking about the legacy piece and the intentionality when it comes to you know our community, and so. Um, now, like I said, fast forward, I am very thoughtful in that. And one of the things when we were talking about the strategic planning is that I'm like, hey, maybe something is happening here. It's not not inked, you know, not inked yet, but I'm like, we're sort of getting into these east main projects, right? So it's it's sort of thinking about it from that standpoint. And so historically, right, those are where majority of our black communities, you know, were were residing. But it also I have to take a step back and sort of getting a little bit more into the construction side of things. This is also where there's prominently pollution. You know, there tends to be, um, you know, in, in terms of the landscape, it's just not the most favorable because of the way that the sun, you know, rises and shines. Like I was actually talking with my, my good friend about that, um, Alicia Hill and Daniel, who's, oh, a, a, yeah, who's yeah. awesome. So we were grabbing dinner and talking about this. So it was like that makes a big difference because I don't know about you, but for me, light 
impacts like my emotions so much. And so I think about that when I'm, I'm doing, you know, sitting down with the architect and talking through different mm -hmm. projects. And so it was like, wow, like, you know, when we're talking about sort of injustices and just across the board, it's like, how does that play actually into architecture, into construction, into, you know, land development and all those different things. And so, um, I am now, in terms of some of our real estate projects, thinking about what are sort of the untold stories, right, of some of these different um, projects. So going back to 310, mm. it's actually dubbed the Sun Building. Um, we're mm. working through, you know, finalizing that for the for the federal um, historic registry, you know, in, in terms of, of that. Durham recognizes it already as a, as a historic landmark. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, right, going back, and I, I am a little bit of a historian, mm. but going back to state archives, and looking at some of the earlier, you know, newspaper articles, it was like, yeah, of course you're not speaking of people of color, you know, in, in any sort of positive, you know, manner. And I'm like, wow, fast forward, this building just turned 100 years old. And not only are we talking about people of color that are being in the building, but also women. And so it's like, wow, you know, that, that changes the narrative. And so how can we tell that story? But I'm focused on sort of who may have worked at the Sun Building, mm -hmm. right? People of color and or women behind the scenes that were like always like the case rock stars yeah. and yeah. never got a chance right to tell their story so we're still digging through that a little bit but I would love to incorporate that um, you know into the project in terms of creating murals you know mm -hmm. other historical pieces that we can put you know in in, in the hallways um, there and just be able to be able to showcase you know those stories and so I think that that's really important the warehouse that I mentioned to you, you know, in Rocky Mount is, um, you know, has always been the deal and supply has been sort of a, a mom and pop shop, okay. um, you know, historically, and they've purchased buildings all along the East Coast. And so I'm starting now to dig into that history a little bit more. But I'm curious to know, you know, what was happening, you know, in, in terms of some of the manufacturing production that they may have been involved in. Um, as it related to war efforts, but then also their main um, sort of the staple of their business is that um, they were sort of a, like I said, mom and pop um, hardware store. Mm -hmm. And so who who worked in the store, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm just always curious about those types of things. So for me now, it's going deeper and really understanding who were some of the people behind the scenes and how can we figure out ways to incorporate their story, you know, into the project. Yeah. So that's been one of the things that, like I said, am I uh, working with my team on is, is us creating the story first before mm -hmm. we even start with construction drawings, you know, before we navigate any further conversations with, um, you know, whether it's with, with our, our local um, uh, political leaders, you know, or, or even within the community. It's like, let's just first create the story and better understand so we know what conversations, right, we need to have moving forward. So that's been one of the things, like I said, in, in terms of me being able to personally and professionally slow down that I'm looking at it from, from that particular mm -hmm. lens. So um, that's been just important to me. It's like, how do we tell our stories? Mm -hmm. Because... Who else is gonna be able to tell those? Yeah. So yeah. Understood. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned construction a couple of times here, but I want to dive in because you've never said that you had a history in building 
yeah. anything. No, never. <laughs> so, <laughs> never. Okay. So I don't even know if I should still take credit in, in building anything because it's always a, you know, a team, team <laughs> effort. So, um, no, but I, um, in terms of my, my personal journey, so I do identify as a black native. Um, and so with, with my, uh, family history, um, I was actually born in Louisiana and I know you said we're not going all the way back to your whole <laughs> life, but like just to give context. And so, um, for me, just better understanding French, um, my French Creole ancestry, Haitians, and just my family mm -hmm. in general, um, through this process of reconnecting, um, you know, with, with my family, it was really important to just understand who are they, right? But also, what were some of the things that they did? Because I am now feeling more empowered that I'm manifesting some of the dreams that they have. So mm -hmm. through conversations, through research, um, finding out that both of my great grandfathers worked in construction. Um, mm -hmm. One was actually a skilled carpenter um, okay. and, and worked uh, mainly in New Bern um, and along the Eastern coast and did a lot. Uh, built, my, built the church that my great grandmother um, actually had in the community. Um, and so just, just very much a skilled, um, skilled carpenter. And then my other great grandfather, uh, my paternal grandfather, excuse me, um, was uh, working with pipes. So he did fabrication uh, with pipes, but was also a farmer. And mm -hmm. so I just, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where I often think about like, what were the things that they dreamed? You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even know if it was a construction company, but it could have just been something as simple as being self-employed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think about those things and I'm like, wow, once again, you know, it's, it's an honor in terms of what I do, but the manifestation of, of things that they've thought about is like, I, yeah. Who knows, right? Who yeah. knows? Like maybe that's what that's what has now, you know, occurred. But I love, I'm passionate about, you know, on the construction side, I think as anyone is like, wow, we go from, you know, a blank slate to actually manifesting, you know, this yeah. this particular concept. And so it's been fun. We've done projects, um, renovations in terms of, of the uh, Durham Bulls Stadium. More mm -hmm. recently, uh, we just uh, completed a learning lab, high-tech learning lab for the Institute of Minority Economic Development. Okay. Um, so we converted their entire lower level um, into a high-tech lab, and that was that was amazing to see. But they're going to have um, programming and just other resources for um, entrepreneurs for different HBCUs, and so it's sort of a hub, you okay. know, for them. Um, so that was that was amazing being involved. Um, we of course have been the GC for the the 310 East Main Street project, um, and then we just have other projects that you know that we've we've been a part of, but. It's to me that's just been the excitement. It's just to see the manifestation, but it's yeah. its own animal. <laughs> Be very clear. So you know, in in terms of how people are like, how do you do it? It's like this is definitely where your soft skills come into place because dealing with subcontractors, um, you know, is is a is a totally different um, animal. I, I'll just put it that way. So there are a lot of personalities. Okay. Um, yes, I'm typically you know the only female that is that is on the job site, and definitely you get the surprises when folks you know are introducing themselves or coming on the the job site like hey where's the contractor and I'm like you're looking right at her you know so you'll sometimes you'll get that that shock um, but like I said I, I think um, I've been very fortunate in terms of the folks that I've been able to work with and they've just been really great partners and they understand that I want to build something great you know yeah. and I want to I want to learn how to build you know mm -hmm. correctly I think there are of course a lot of folks who are in the industry that just 
it's another investment, you know, for them. And, and that's the way that they act. And that's totally fine. But I really want to understand, like, yes, why would you use, you know, this nail versus this one, you right. know, and, and what's what's going to be the long term effect of, of this particular decision or what's the final goal that we're trying to trying to achieve here? So it's it's been great. I have a lot of a lot of thought partners, a lot mm -hmm. of people who have just they're seasoned contractors. And so I can call them and, you know, ask them questions. And that's really made a difference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question, kind of. Yeah. Um, so throughout all of this, like I've never heard like any wavering from like, you know, the goals that you had for yourself or the things that you wanted to do, um, no matter what happened, no matter what kind of iffy answers yeah. you got, no matter what surprise looks you got, um, no matter what setbacks that I'm sure you've had that you're not telling oh, me yeah. about, yeah. right? So talk to me a little bit about where that confidence comes from, because for a lot of new entrepreneurs, right, it is a lot of like trial and error. It's a lot of like trial, reiterating, try again. You know, it's not like this straight linear mm -hmm. path, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me how you work through a lot of these moments, maybe behind closed doors, maybe in public, um, of like uncertainty, yeah. if you have them. Yeah, no, so you definitely have it. Um, and I think to your point, one is just the acknowledgement that it's not a straight path. I think you have you have to like literally <laughs> force yourself to like be okay with it not being a straight path. Mm -hmm. And once again, I think that sort of weeds out people very early on in terms of whether they want to continue to pursue, you know, being an entrepreneur. But for me, there literally is comfort in the unknowing. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that I can can put it. And I've been okay with that, you know, from the start. Okay. Um, and I'm the type of person just being honest, like you probably have heard this analogy before, but it's like the person who jumps out the airplane and then assembles their parachute. <laughs> that's me all day long. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully I don't hit the ground. You know, like it's just it's just how I've how I've always been been sort of built. And it's one of those things where I've shared this very early on in my career, like we are smart enough to figure it out. And mm -hmm. a lot of times that just comes through conversations. And mm -hmm. that's where I've tried to spend, you know, more of my time and my energy in terms of being thoughtful, you know, mm -hmm. being strategic. All of that comes through sometimes other people's experiences, you mm -hmm. know, and then other times it's just, hey, I'm thinking about it this way. Let me just bounce this idea, you know, off of someone, you know, in order to just kind of get another opinion. But I'm also have been very much in the space of just move with confidence, which is I'm just going to give it my best shot. Yeah. I've justified why I'm going to do this. Yeah. If it don't work out, at least I can <laughs> explain what I was thinking, you yeah. know, when I when I did this. And like I said, you just you get comfortable with it. But I think like everyone else, you've had times where, hey, financially, like, how am I going to make this thing, you know, yeah. work? And you, you figure it out. You know, you definitely have your moments where you feel exhausted and you can cry. You can <laughs> talk to your therapist, you know, your mom, like whatever it may be. And so I just, I, I think for me, it's been all of those emotions. And to be honest, I think in my line of work, it's literally just a roller coaster. It really is. And so I've, I've gotten used to it, but also I'm learning how not to take so many things personal. And that's been the biggest change, you know, for me. Um, I'm still working through it, but I take things so personal, but I recognize because I'm so passionate, you yeah. know, about what it is that I'm doing. So yeah. a lot of it is, is, is been through that, but, um, I grew up in a super competitive environment, okay. like family, you know, just my environment in general. I play sports like yeah. my entire life, like around the year. And so I think that a lot of that 
um, you know, played into sort yeah. of my personality and that in terms of that grit. It's yeah. like every sport, you know, they're like, <laughs> hey, down to the last minute, you know, dig deep or you're lifting weights and it's like push through that last set. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like those are all the things that at the time didn't seem like a big deal. But now I can relive, you know, some mm-hmm. of those moments and like, OK, this is this is what it set me up for. So, yeah. Yeah. But for me now, I'm more concerned about just in terms of longevity, and we talk about this all the time, but I'm, I'm more focused on just as a community, you know, us getting out of a space of survival and mm-hmm. actually being able to live, that's really important for me right now. So when I think about expanding the company or when I'm thinking about other projects, you know, I, I kind of pull from my Native American side, but it's like, how are we feeding the tribe, right? So mm-hmm. it's no longer just about me, but it's like, how is everyone else, you know, going to be able to get what they need to be sustainable and to yeah. teach their their family and for all of us, right, to be able to, to move together? Because I think history has taught us, like, we can't just keep having these one-off situations like, oh, it's just need No, it needs yeah. to be yeah. other, you know, developers and there needs to be other general contractors and we need to be able to figure out a way, you know, to move collectively. So yeah. I'm in a space of, of I'm open, you know, to, to those opportunities, but conversations around community and collective mm-hmm. is, is where I'm at now. Yeah. That's not where I was before because like everyone, I'm just trying to figure out how to make it, but now I'm recognizing it's, it's all about collective. So I'm, I'm onto that. Um, I haven't really shared this, you know, I'm on to uh, ways in construction to be able to incorporate robots, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's been something. So I'm looking for um, connecting with people more in the AI robotic space. Yeah. Um, would love to spend, trying to plan now, but spend some time in Japan. Um, I've really been interested in how they have incorporated, you know, robots into their society. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking about what are items that um, are heavy lift and or are dangerous just in terms of when we're thinking about safety of employees on the construction site mm-hmm. that now a robot would be able to to be able to assist with. Um, I'm also thinking about how my team in terms of when we're talking about construction management, we're at the table being able to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important when we're talking about people of color and leadership you know, positions and we're talking about design related, you know, items or, you know, I I just think we need to be a part of those conversations. And so I'm focused on, you know, sort of that level of management and making sure that my team feels confident, you know, in making decisions when they're out in the field. You don't have to call me. You have more experience than me most of the time. So I'm like, you guys can do it. Um, You know, and so that's that's really important for me is that once again, we're we're bringing more leaders, you know, Mm -hmm. to the table and people who can help make decisions and the more manual labor are the things that I think can, can be offloaded, um, because we're just, we're taking a really hard hit, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of industries can say that, but for construction in terms of just labor and Mm -hmm. people's availability and, um, you know, between sort of the, um, I call them the mature generation <laughs> retiring, um, you know, and, and sort of figuring out a way to also make the industry, I think, more attractive, you know, to the younger generation trying to figure out, like I said, what where that, that yeah. falls. And so um, with all that being stated, that's why I think I'm like, yeah, we, we probably <laughs> need to figure out a way to get get this into into that. So I'm, I'm thinking about that and how does that play into the longevity, yeah. you know, of, of things. So, yeah. 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 yeah, I love that perspective for sure. You also remind me of, um, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, Tesho. He's out of Charlotte. 
Okay. And he used to be a soccer player. Okay. And now he's a real estate investor. Okay. And he like had this article in um, Southern Urbanism that was talking a little bit about what you're talking about, like how you know he's used to playing with the team, and so that collective like prosperity mindset, mm -hmm. but also like that grit and grace kind of also played into his like perspective of real estate investment, but. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Obviously, you yeah. can identify. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so before I let you get out of here, I have a couple rapid-fire yeah. questions for you. you. Okay. You game? Okay. She's like, I'm ready. Let's I go. didn't even get out of my mouth. She was like, I'm Let's ready go. right Let's now. Go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, what is the costliest decision that you would make again? Um, I actually would not make a costly decision again. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. I've, I think I've gotten off there have been probably two deals that I can think of right now um, in, in talking with my you know real estate attorney about this and he was like, yeah, there's there's always a cost right to doing business, mm -hmm. but it's one where I was like, yeah, I could have sat still a little bit longer you know and thought about this a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, right, the amount of money that I lost, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, this is going to set you back, you yeah. know, for like five years. But it definitely was like, okay, niece, you you learned your lesson, and we <laughs> we're not going to do that again. So yeah, there's, I'll be honest, I don't want to repeat. She's anything. like, absolutely no, not. Nothing, none, nothing, none. All right, nothing. that is very interesting for real estate. No, no. <laughs> but I feel like everything you do is expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, if you didn't have to make money, how would you spend your day? Ooh, good question. I would probably be outdoors. Okay. I'm a big, big um, nature enthusiast. I love camping, um, backpacking, hiking, the whole nine, um, kayaking. I am now trying to figure out like the best spots to go fly fishing. And okay. I tell people I could care less about the fishing. I just want to wear the waders and stand <laughs> in the water. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do all day. That is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, who is a founder or real estate investor that you look up to and why? I would say this. Actually, my um, construction advisor, I, mm. if I can, I'm pivoting a little bit, um, but his name is, is Andrew Phillips, and he is one of the, he is, actually, he is one of my investment partners, but he has been one of the most thoughtful, uh, best thought partners that I, I could even ask for, and um, I haven't shared a whole lot of this, but he is the person that always tells me, Niche, go figure it out. And mm. it's one of the most empowering things. Like whenever I get off the phone with him, you know, and it's just like, oh my God, this subcontractor talked to me this way. Can you believe this? <laughs> and he just listens. But then at the end, he's like, Niche, go figure it out. And it's something about that, that one, it's confidence that he knows I'm going to figure it out. But at the same time, it's just one of those things where it's, um, an element of encouragement in terms of slowing down and once again thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Because so much of my, like I said, the start felt very reactionary, and that's the reason why I said I value the space I'm in now in terms of being more, you know, strategic and being thoughtful. Mm -hmm. When you are hustling and trying to figure it out, you just, it's a certain level, I think, of anxiety mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that you're operating on, a different set of, I, don't, I have no idea where my energy was coming from. I was like, did I even eat? Did I even feed my kids today? Like, it was, <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're so, you know, you're, you're so in tune with seeing that thing, you know, yeah. happen, right? And I think now for me, it's more of the passion of 
yes, I want to see it happen, but I'm not so deadlocked that it has to happen, you know, this today. particular way, mm -hmm. or it doesn't have to happen today, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's where there's been some maturing on, on my part as far as the business, you know, is concerned. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Andrew Phillips is awesome. He's knowledgeable. He's had his own construction company. You know, he's worked for other general contractors and he's just seen it all. And he's okay. always one who just says, Niche, you just, you got to see more, more projects, you know, mm -hmm. like you see more deals. And that's always reassuring because once again, the pressure of not a lot of people who look like me who are in this space, I got to get it right the first time. Sure. And that just helps, right? Take mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. Like, no, yeah. even if you were a middle-aged white man, there's still things that they're going to get wrong. And yeah. you like, but we, right, tend to internalize yeah. sometimes internalize that and make the assumption I've got to get it right, you know, the yeah. first time. And so I've been able to cure myself of yeah. that particular perspective. But that was that was something that I was holding on to a lot and yeah. didn't realize that was self-induced, yeah. you know, pressure. So, yeah. yeah. No, I could definitely identify with that last part. Like I was talking to my mom about this. I was like, you know, a lot of times like founders that don't come from like money that didn't raise a big friends and family around like we don't often have the luxury of like making mistakes mm -hmm. early on because mm -hmm. like there's so much more on the line for us probably financially and so like we're always thinking like okay I need to pay the bills I need to feed my team I need to feed my kids like you know there's a lot more at stake if we don't get it right yeah. you know but yeah. like also realizing that like nobody ever gets it 100% right to start so like probably the pressure that we put on ourselves, you know, we need some pressure, but maybe not that much pressure. Right, maybe we're right. being a little bit dramatic, right. but you know, who's going to save us from that? Um, and I think it just takes away from the fun of why you're, why yeah, you're doing it. Right. It and I think that's the part is focusing on, okay, I'm setting myself up, you know, for this journey. Yeah. Um, but to your point, when you don't have a lot of resources, it's hard to realign yourself with the fun, yeah. you know, piece of it. It's like, no, we got to make sure this <laughs> is working and I'm paying myself and, you know, and, and all of those different things. But um, yeah, there's, there's just a different, a different mindset around that. So yeah. yeah. What painful business experience are you most grateful for? I would probably say two things. Um, they're kind of in the same. There have been um, business partners who have had to drop there at the last minute, okay. uh, which means I have to go back out, you know, and raise capital. Um, and then there's also been adjustments in terms of tenants that were designed for a project that I then had to turn around, you know, and, and go and find them. And so for a lot of folks, it's like, eh, not a big deal. But it's like when you're in it, like actually constructing a site or if you are getting close to, you know, actually closing and needing to move this project forward, that's a big deal because literally now your schedule, you know, is is starting all over again and you're mm -hmm. having to push it, push it back out. Right. Yeah. Um, and so. So I think for me, the other piece of this has been I've been bootstrapping along the way. And so if I had a team, right, yeah, it's not a big deal because I could just sign, assign that to them. But I've been in a space where I've been an owner operator. So that's up to me to now go and figure out, you know, how to get this capital or, you know, how I need to handle whatever transition happens, you know, on the on the actual project site, construction site. Yeah. Um, and so that that has been. <laughs> exhausting to say the least, you know, but it's also one 
we're once again slowing down and being able to maybe see, are there some people who can work with me in a consulting capacity, mm-hmm. you know, a part-time capacity, even if it's for interim, you know, period of time, or it could be specific to this particular project, which is okay, but it gets it, you know, further along and there's less for me to have to manage, you know, myself. And so I've never been one to say I have to do it all, but I don't think once again, that hustle mentality of trying to figure out how do you hand this off to other people when you're also trying to build a brand at the same time, mm-hmm. how does that even work? And now I'm recognizing like it works niche cause you just do it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then as, once again, over time it keeps getting better. And that's the things that I, I remind myself of, or this could just be, you know, a temporary role that someone has they're bringing, you know, a great asset to maybe this particular project or this deal, but that's it. There's, there may not be, you know, any additional services that they, they provide. There may not be a relationship beyond, you know, this, this particular transaction Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's fair. That's valid. This one is honoring the historian in you. Okay. Uh, what would the title of your autobiography be? Ooh, gosh, I feel like I have to join Toastmasters again and just get all these like <laughs> questions. These are good. Um, my autobiography. Um, I don't know. I'm like, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe something, something along the lines of, I, I take pride in being a visionary and I think that's a lot of real estate. Mm-hmm. I, I can say that about construction as well, but I would definitely say about real estate is because Um, I think oftentimes, you know, when you think of the term developer, that's really like that vision is everything. You're seeing something literally that's not there or assuming, right, that this is going to create whatever whatever it needs to to create right in terms of this particular community i think it's gotten a bad rep because oftentimes we immediately think about gentrification right Mm -hmm. but we're not thinking about true developers are bringing something new right into that market and so i would say that would be the thing that i hope for my autobiography in terms of like just being a visionary person is that you're bringing something there um, or being able to deliver right on mm-hmm. what the community is asking for, and I think that's that intentional, you know, yeah. development piece. And then for construction, it would definitely just be like, like I told you before, just great projects that I think mm-hmm. you can anybody would take pride in. And yeah. my boys, you know, I don't, I often speak about them, but that was the vision as well. You know, we're talking about legacy is, Mm. is bringing them into, into this and the company is named after them. And so Mm. that's always been important for me that the things they see, you know, just for them, like, Oh, that's cool. Mama, I can't believe you did this. Or we like, is this ours? You know, like when we have those conversations, it's just, it's really beautiful. And I'm hoping that that continues to inspire them, which, um, when you were talking about being an architect, my oldest, um, wants to be, be an architect. So he's done like his first internship. And he's like getting into the weeds of it, but he loves it. And then um, more recently, he was gifted um, a book um, by Mr. Uh, the late Mr. Free Phil Freelon, excuse me. And so that's even brought, you know, like, oh, wow, the representation and seeing um, some of the architects over at Evoke, which are, you know, over on Foster Street that um, that has just lit lit up his eyes. And he's like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, there's 
there are black architects and this is like really cool. So I, I love that. And like I said, I, I just, I'm hoping that the inspirational piece, you know, continues for them. Yeah. That's important in the work that I do. Okay. So I actually have never said your name yet on camera, Lennox okay. and Gray. So is that their middle name? That's their middle name. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. That makes so sense. Ellery Lennox and Zolan Gray. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So that was, a, <laughs> I, I didn't know if you had that as a question. I'm sorry. No, but it no, was just fine. like, how did you come up with the name? And most people, like if you look at construction companies, um, they tend to name their companies like after themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I noticed. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I could go with niche, but I was like, mm, no, that's not working. So I was yeah. like going back and forth. And then I was like, hey you know, there's a legacy component to this. There's yeah. no pressure for them to take over the company, but I'm like, that would be cool if they decided they wanted to. And so I was like, what would be something that to me would, would motivate them, you mm -hmm. know, and they would take pride in it. And I was like, what about their middle names? And I was like toying with it. And I was like, Gray, Lennox. I was like, Lennox and Gray. I was like, hey, maybe that could, yeah. could work. Yeah. So I don't know. All it right. sounded distinguished. And it does. It does. Polished. And, Very much you know, so. So I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I feel like I just got the full story today. Yeah. Okay. And, they, and they got the full story. So no, I'm super excited. You. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. That's all for today's episode. And if you can't wait for the next episode, you can subscribe to our paid membership on Substack to get exclusive content like outtakes, bloopers, after show thoughts, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on your app of choice or like this video on YouTube. We'll catch you in the next episode.